You are on your spiritual journey, we welcome you. We are all about loving God and loving one another and extending His love to people all around the world. Emergency exits are located throughout the theater. All exits are clearly marked with a green illuminated exit sign. Help us keep this historical landmark clean and remember there is no food or drink allowed in the theater. Thank you. Good morning, Ocean Hills. Huge kudos to every one of you. You woke up extra early and you're here on time. Woo, give yourselves a round of applause. Seriously, thank you, thank you, mad props. Would you stand with us? We are gonna sing, we're gonna start out just reminding each other that this way of following Jesus, it's just a firm foundation. When life gets crazy, when the chaos comes, when the storms blow, he is our solid rock. He can be trusted, he can be counted on. Let's build our lives this morning on the foundation of who he is on his love. Let's sing this together. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaking, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus.
guys. Father God, we, we thank you that you are our firm foundation, that you are a rock, that you are faithful, that you will never let us down, Father. We just, we pray this morning for your help in helping us just to really know and believe in those truths. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, you guys. Um, my name is Jennifer Holford. I'm the director of women's ministry um, at Ocean Hills. Yes, girls. Yeah. Um, we just want to welcome you into this space this morning. We're so glad you're here. Um, many of us are Ocean Hills regulars, and I don't know about you guys, but it just feels so lucky to be able to gather in person. Um, it's great to see you guys. Uh, and for those of you who are new, it's so great to see you as well. If that's new, if that's you, if you're new, you would have got one of these um, connection uh, programs this morning. And on the bottom of the program, there's a place where you can connect with us. If you could fill that out and pop it in the boxes on your way out, we would love to know who you are. We'd love a chance um, to connect with you guys. Uh, on the flip side of that, there's a, there's a prayer request section. Many of you know that as a staff, we um, meet every Monday morning, and one of the things we do is we pray for you guys. Um, at Ocean Hills, we really believe in the power of prayer, and if there's something you're praying about, we'd love to come alongside you in that way. So if you could fill that out, they can go in the drop boxes too. Um, also on the program, there is a giving QR code. Um, 
so many of you are regular givers. Thank you, thank you for that. Other ways to give is you can do it new school and do that QR code, scan it. Um, or you could kick it old school and just drop your giving in those same two boxes um, on the way out. Uh, the final thing in our program is our men's and our women's retreats. Ladies, we're going to be in Malibu. It's a simple space. It's beautiful. And we're just going to try to block out all the frenetic noise of our day-to-day -day lives and just try to find space to really hear from God. Um, and guys, you're going to be in the Santa Cruz Mountains, like building your faith friendships and mountain biking and doing dude stuff. It's going to be awesome. Um, Either way, retreats can be such an important and powerful reset. Um, and we were going to have Craig Stewart with us today to kind of let us know about his experiences with retreat. Craig's, Craig's unwell. So Jono is filling in for Craig Stewart this morning. Hi, I'm Craig Stewart. Good to meet you guys. Craig, we hope you're doing well back at home uh, watching us online. But Craig was a little sick, but he had written something out he wanted to share about retreat that I, we thought was really powerful. You can actually have a seat um, as you listen to this, too. Craig said this, there's something really powerful that happens when we retreat from the busyness of our lives and get away with God and other people. I've had an opportunity to go on several retreats through Ocean Hills, and some have been the most rich and life-giving experiences for me. I'd like to share just a couple of those with you. One of my favorites was a two-day silent retreat in Big Sur with a small group of men, no talking, no technology, and through the quietness, I noticed I became more in tune with God's heart in nature and creation. I, in that silence, I read the book of John and was able to hear God's message more clearly than ever before. I came back from that trip relaxed, calm, spiritually invigorated. Who doesn't want that? This past January, I went on the men's ski trip, ski, ski retreat to Mammoth. It was such a healthy experience. We had some of the most intentional, meaningful, authentic conversations. We made new friends, bonded, laughed, cried, celebrated. We need emotionally and spiritually strong men at home and in our church family, and that's what's motivated me to join the men's ministry team when I returned back so I could help create more experiences like this for our church. And then last weekend, I was asked to be a cabin leader to take some high school boys up to Hume Lake. Initially, I was reluctant. High school was a long time ago. And I wasn't sure I would connect or have the energy. And I didn't like the idea of sleeping in a bunk bed with a room full of teenage boys. But I prayed and asked God for patience and energy and a deep capacity to love on these boys so they could have an amazing experience. God showed up in the most unexpected way. Not only did I have a blast and enjoy my time with these young men, but I had one of the most powerful and significant conversations I've ever had. And it was with a high school student. My heart was so tender and so deeply moved. We have adult retreats coming up for everyone in our church, uh, all the adults, we'd love to have you be on these retreats. Check out the details in your program. So you can use that QR code or go online, and they are coming up in April. Don't miss an opportunity to get away and let God transform you. Let's keep worshiping together. I'm going to have them stand up again. Yes. Come on, stand Sorry. up. 
We got to worship standing. There is something that happens with our, we worship with our bodies as well as our minds and our hearts. And we want to sing the song about just the kingdom of God and that it is a simple kingdom and that charge to go on retreat. I mean, that's kind of what that's about, right? We live our lives and they get so busy and full and frenetic and oftentimes with really great things. But that, that call to retreat, to kind of pare away all the extra stuff, all the extra voices, all the noise, and just get back to just you and Jesus. And so this is his simple kingdom we get to talk about this morning. Here we go.
your church, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Ladies and gentlemen, it all began in Oakland, California. By the age of 10, he was the California State Gymnastics Champion, a Hall of Fame paperboy for the Oakland Tribune at age 12. His first live concert was Led Zeppelin in San Francisco. He attended and graduated from Harvard. Excuse me, I meant Hayward State, whatever, same thing. He earned his master's and doctorate from Fuller Theological Seminary, Magnum Cum Nada, ordained in the Evangelical Covenant Church. He has officiated over 20 celebrity weddings, including rock star Gene Simmons of Kiss, Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys, and yes, even Troy Hammond. He swam with the sharks from Alcatraz. He ran, most likely jogged, the New York City Marathon and has climbed the Matterhorn in Switzerland, not the one in Disneyland. He goes by Swish in the coffee shops and is celebrating 40 years of marriage with his, with his one and only love, Natalie. So give it up for my favorite humble bragger of all time, the one, the only, founding pastor of Ocean Hills Church, the most reverend, Johnny Wow, what's up Ocean Hills? Are you ready for today? Let me ask you something. 
Is that the way of Jesus? It's the way of our culture. Today we're looking at the triumphal entry, John chapter 12. I got to ask you, when you read the Gospels, do you read about a self-promoting Jesus? Do you read about a self-absorbed Jesus? Do you see Jesus autographing the Torah? Do you see Jesus full of himself, full of pride, full of ego, keeping people at a distance because he's better than everybody? He's famous. He's a celebrity. Is this the Jesus of the Gospels? And is this the Jesus that we're following in today's culture, emulating this celebrity lifestyle, this desire to be famous, to be the man? All right. Let's thank Ryan DiGiulio for his commentary. Let's uh, dismiss our students. Kids, students, let's go. Time to go out and talk about this, I guess, in your class. And uh, Ryan's going to read the gospel lesson for us today. Good morning. Just kidding. Will you guys open your, your Bibles or your phones or, or read along with me, maybe? John 12, verses 12 through 19. Let's, let's read how what we just witnessed actually really happened. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't realize at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered that these scriptures had come true right before their eyes. Those in the crowd who had seen Jesus call Lazarus back to life were telling others all about it. That was the main reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about his, this mighty miracle. Then the Pharisees said to each other, we've lost. Look, the whole world, the whole world has gone after him. The word of the Lord. All right, folks, are we, are we, God, so quiet in here. Did I, did I mess with you? What? Am I messing with you right now? All right. The story of the triumphal entry. It's the story of contrast. I love the song we just sang before we heard the word read. It's a story of con Jesus, the upside down kingdom. And in John chapter 12, we read about different people that are part of the story. And that's what I want to highlight this morning. I want to highlight the four different characters in this story. 
And then I want to connect the dots. I want you to think about what's the character that I most identify with? How might God be speaking to me this morning? How might I become good soil? You know that parable of the soils we talked about many weeks ago about the good soil is the responsive soil. You hear God's word, and rather than, oh, I'm too busy, or I'm, I'm falling asleep, or I'm yawning, I'm actually leaning in, and I'm like, now what? How do I respond? God, what do you want from me? What's my next step? That's my prayer. That's been my prayer all week, that this would be a responsive place, that you would be good soil. Your hearts would be tender, that God would melt your heart today, that when you hear this message, you're going to identify with someone and have the courage to say, that, that's me. I believe that the Lord Jesus love, that he's whispering in this moment to all of our hearts. So let's jump in. The first character, of course, is the hero of the story. It's Jesus. But Jesus was a different kind of king. He was humble and not arrogant. A lot of times we think of rulers, we think of kings, and they are, they in history are more, more about them and power and control. But that's not what we see in the person of Jesus. John chapter 12, this, this is a story of unmet expectations, of a different kind of king. It's the story of the king who came not as an arrogant ruler, but as a humble Servant who came not as an arrogant ruler, but as a humble servant. It's the story of a king who came not riding in a chariot or on a war horse, but riding on a baby donkey. This is the story of the one who came not to conquer the Romans by force, but to conquer sin and death by his love and sacrifice on the cross. I love the comment by New Testament scholar Stanley Auerwitz. He says this, this story is filled with satire. Jesus parodies other rulers. It's almost comical. It's not because it's the week of his death, but it's almost comical. Coming in on a baby donkey. In a way, he's making fun of this political, powerful culture, and he's saying, that's not what the kingdom of God, my father's heart, is all about. So this is the story of the innocent one that became the suffering one. It's the story of a king who would die so that you and I might live. This is the story of a king not traumatizing people with guilt, but transforming people with grace. This is the story of a king who made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on a baby donkey, not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. Not to bring judgment. God's wrathful. He's going to Bring his judgment. That's not what the New Testament, he came to bear judgment, to take it upon himself on the cross. And I believe today that Jesus desires to make a triumphal entry into 
every heart, every life in this room to rule, to reign in your life. But that requires that you surrender control, that you yield your way for his way. But he does desire to make a triumphal entry, to enter into your life with forgiveness, with purpose, with peace, with love, with mercy, and mercies that are new every morning. And the question for each one of us is, will we yield, will we surrender? Will we kneel at the throne of his grace? I love this verse, or these couple verses out of John chapter one. John says, he came, talking about Jesus, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But, if you got your Bible, circle that word, but. But what? But to all, not to some, but to all, that includes you this morning and me, but to all who believed in him and accepted him. What? He gave the right to become children of God. To be born spiritually. All of us have been born physically, but now Jesus comes and he says, and God wants you to have a spiritual birth. And what is it? they are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. I believe that promise is still true today. And this church wants to become a birth center, if you will, where people are having an experience with God, new life, new beginning, fresh start, transformation, a new heart, where you are actually having an aha moment. Those of you that maybe didn't grow up in church or that ran away from church or who got beat up and, and, and now maybe it's been years or maybe you've never been to church. And you're like, wow, I had no idea that the Bible teaches that God wants to adopt me into his family to become his spiritual daughter, his spiritual son. Well, that's the truth of God's word, and that's what Jesus came to proclaim, a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom not about him being powerful or a celebrity or ego or, or about violence and, and that kind of victory, but he came on a baby donkey, humble. His is a kingdom of humility. He came to bring peace. His is a kingdom of of peace. And I wonder if there's somebody in here right now that's going, wow, I, I didn't know that. Maybe, why not? What's holding you back from today being the day that you'd say, that this is the day I was spiritually born. It's the day of my birth spiritually. That can happen. At the end of the sermon, I'm going to invite you to come down. We've got all these carpets here and pillows. For anybody that wants to come and kneel, make a commitment to Christ to say, I want to be born spiritually. I want that rebirth spiritually. You're going to be invited to come. But let's go to the next character in the story, the Pharisees. Oh, did you have to bring them up? The Pharisees, the religiously, the most religious people. That's all of us, right? We're in church. It's Sunday morning. That's kind of us. But why is it that we find them critical rather than joyful? That, we don't see that in any churches in America, do we? Churches are filled with joyful people, not critical people, right? 
You know, this story in John chapter 12 of the triumphal entry, it's actually recorded in every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all record the story with some different details and nuances. Here's what Luke says in Luke 19, 39. He says, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, saying to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Hosanna, save us. Rebuke them. Admonish them. Correct them. Point your finger at them. Put them down. They're out of line. And we know because we're on sin patrol. Self-appointed sin control, sin, sin patrol. The ones who should be most grateful, most joyful, are the ones who are blind, cold, critical, condemning. And the Pharisees, they had a front row seat to Jesus' life and ministry, to the messianic prophecies, to all the miracles, to all the, the lives being transformed and healed. They had a front row seat. But they were still blind. They were still cold. They were still critical. Does that spirit ever creep into you? Would you have the courage to admit maybe there are times you're blind, cold, critical? This week, I got up with my wife. We get up at 6, and I love to make her a cup of coffee. I love to make us a cup of coffee. But I like a little cream. We both like a little cream in our coffee. So I'm making the coffee, and I open the fridge to get the cream. Staring at it. Anybody done that? You're staring. Where's the cream? 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 Must be. Then it went from that to where's the cream to where did she put the cream? <laughs> I can't find it. Shut the door. She must have pulled it out on the counter, not on the counter. Where, where, where's the cream? Where? Go back, open it up again. Did we run out of cream? Some of my family call me Grumpy John sometimes. <laughs> you guys don't know that part of me. And here's what happened. I'm staring at it. <sighs> no worries, don't worry about it, I got it. Blind, cold, critical, not just looking in a refrigerator, but what about spiritually? What about in life? How do people experience you? Is there a Pharisee living in me, in you, that the Lord today would say, I'm calling you to a spirit of repentance. I'm calling you to get on your knees and say, I don't want to be that guy or that gal. I don't want to be known for being aloof and cold and critical and cynical. I, I want a change of heart. I want to see. I love this quote. 
Desperation is the doorway to breakthrough. How desperate are you to change, to grow, to let God transform your heart and your life? Look at Psalm 34, 6. In my desperation, this is a deeply spiritual person writing this. In my desperation, I prayed. And the Lord listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. Desperation is the doorway to breakthrough. In my desperation, I prayed, the Lord listened, he saved me from all my troubles. You know, there's a lot of troubles that surround people that live that ugly pharisaical life. I just had that experience this week. I was the Pharisee in my own home. Doesn't create a warmth in a marriage or with your kids or in the workplace or in your neighborhood. And that is not the way of Jesus. It's not. Hello, it's not. Why not today? Put a stake in the ground and say, this is the day. This is the day that I'm going to take that first step into kind of losing that old life and becoming warmer, more merciful, more kind. Am I able to humble myself and admit that I have an ugly Pharisee in me? And if not, why not? Why not? I mean, I think that's worth journaling this week. If not, why not? Okay, next group or the, is the crowd in the story. We have the crowd. A large crowd of Passover visitors. They took the palm branches, went down the road to meet him. They, plural, it's a large crowd, they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail the king of Israel. Many, more crowd language, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. And that was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about the miraculous sign. They were cheering for more miracles, more blessing. They heard about Lazarus being raised from, we want more of that. I'm in, Jesus, until I'm not. And many in that crowd that day that were screaming, Hosanna, save us, cheering for him, just days later would be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. The crowd in this story, most of them were fans, not followers. Fans of Jesus a fan is someone who's an enthusiastic admirer. Ah, oh, man, he's a great teacher. Oh, he's all about love. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, I think Jesus is cool. I admire him. Wait, he said deny yourself? Pick up your cross and follow me? Eh, not sure about that. Not sure I want to follow. Love your enemies? My Lord, no, not Lord. I can't call you Lord anymore. I'm a fan. A 
Fans, not followers. Are you a fan or a follower? Kyle, 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 Kyle Eidelman. Listen to this quote. The biggest threat to the church today is, how would you fill in the blank without reading this? The biggest, this is quite a statement. The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Ouch. Someone just got punched in the gut. What if today became the day you decided to become a follower of Jesus instead of just a fan? Only you know that. I don't know where your heart is. God knows and you know. But why not today make it the day that you say, you know what? I'm actually going to come down here and I'm going to kneel and say, Lord, I've, I've been a fan. Today I'm ready to be a follower. And if not, why not? It's, it's always important to ask the why. Why? What's, what's my hesitation? What's my resistance? What is it in me? Am I afraid? Well, wait, I'm on the leadership team. What if people see me walk down and kneel? They're going to think I don't have it all together, but I'm supposed to have it all together. Oh, I'm a youth leader. I'm on the prayer team. Oh, I'm a small group leader, a Sunday school, right? And we talk ourselves out of responding or living a responsive life, but the Christian faith and life is a series of moments. It's not just one moment. I'm saved. I'm done. All right, got my hell insurance. That's not what Jesus is about. It's, I have had so many moments in my life where, whether it be here or in other places, that I have humbled myself and cried out in desperation for this church, for my marriage, for my parenting, for my family, my friendships that are strained or whatever, desperately to overcome an area in my life that's just toxic. It's not one moment. That's why we meet every week. It's like we keep trying to and wanting to and praying for, let's continue to give people space to be responsive to what the Spirit of God and the Word of God might be doing because I don't know what he's doing in your heart this morning. But I'm praying for a tenderness. Let's get to the, the fourth characters in this story. It's the disciples. They're doubters. The disciples, they're doubters, but, but they're not divisive. Verse 18, his disciples, they didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But, there's that word again, but after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. They didn't understand completely. They, they had some questions. Raise your hand if you understand God and the Bible completely. This ain't the church for you. Let's just get clear about that. I still have questions. 
I still embrace the mystery of life and spirituality and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how he works and when he works and why he doesn't when I want him to and da 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 What I find so refreshing is that the disciples followed him for three years, saw him crucified, rose from the dead, and still some of them. They were worshiper-doubters, according to Matthew 28. I love that Jesus doesn't shame them. I love that Jesus doesn't say, you don't belong here. You go get your act together. You go figure it out, and when you believe completely and understand me completely, then you come back, and you can be a disciple. He didn't do that. I love that about him. There's, what's it tell us? There's room for you. You belong here in this church. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or, or you're like, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus, I, but I keep coming, and I keep asking God to open my eyes and my heart. Keep coming. I love Frederick Beekner. He says this about doubt. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. Doubt. It's the ants in the pants. It keeps us moving and awake. And so I say to you that are doubters, keep seeking. The Bible says, if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. Keep seeking. Keep showing up. Keep opening your heart. Keep leaning in. Keep praying. God, I don't even know if I believe in you. I don't completely get you. I don't understand you. I, I, I want to. Mark 9, that father whose, whose son was sick, and, 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 and he says, if you can, Jesus says, if you can, what do you mean? And he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's it. That's you. That's me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that's why we keep coming to church and to small groups and to classes that we offer. And that's why we continue to make this church a safe space. You're not kicked out if you go, I don't know if I believe the Bible anymore. Okay, let's talk about it. Not you're done. We're done with you. All right. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. I don't know what the Lord's doing in this moment, but the band's going to come up. We're going to sing. We're going to stand, and we're going to sing. And we have a prayer team that is available to pray with you, and if there's people that are kneeling, and if, you, if you're going, I, I want to come forward, but I can't kneel for whatever reason, we got the front row for you. We got the front row open. Come and sit. You don't have to kneel. You come and sit in the front row. Or if you want to just stand and put your hand on the front of the platform, do that. I think what's most important is our hearts. God knows our heart. But I know for me, I need to come down here. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to be the first one down here. I hope you'll join me. But let me, let me just give the invitation. Love is whispering to us today. Faith is more than a moment, lots of moments of responsiveness to his whispers. Is the Lord whispering in your heart this morning, nudging you, prompting you to come forward? Jesus is ready to turn your heart 
into a tender place for him to to reside, into his home. And so I want to give you a clear opportunity to humble yourself and come and kneel and to be born spiritually. I remember when I did that the first time. Many of you know the story. I was like, I was kind of nervous about it, and I did it. And then I went to PE class the next day, and Scott Walchuk, I said, Scott, you know how you told me I could be born spiritually? I I prayed that prayer. I, I received Christ into my life last night, and I wanted it to be a secret. And you know what he did? This was PE class. Hey, everybody, I got an announcement to make. John Ireland became a Christian last night. I'm like, what? And I had people come up to me. Is that true? And right then in that moment, I had to say, am I I going to identify with Jesus or am I not? I'm not going to be a secret little. And that's why we invite people to come forward is to say, I'm not ashamed. I want to identify. I want to follow Christ. Or I need help. I'm desperate for God to do a breakthrough in my life. Come forward. I want to stop being this way and I want to be that way. God help me. And so when you're ready, come. The prayer team will be available, but the prayer team will also, don't be creeped out. If you're kneeling, I've told the prayer team, just put a hand on their shoulder and just pray a quiet prayer over them. You don't even have to know what they're coming for, but the Spirit of God knows. And so you may have someone put their hand on your shoulder and just be praying over you as you come. And so when you're ready, I invite you, if if it's you that the Lord's calling this morning, come and join me.
Father God, we conclude this time of official church worship, but we know that the Spirit of God continues to live in us, and the Word of God continues to work on us, and so even as we leave this sacred space this morning, I pray that the, the work, the good work you've begun in every heart, that you would bring it to completion in your time and in your way. And we will position ourselves 
We commit to position ourselves with responsive hearts, hearts that are contrite and humble and willing and open for you to do what you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. We like to say God is good all the time. Yeah, if you're new with us and want to meet uh, some of the pastoral staff straight out before you walk through outside, we'll be gathering there for a 20, 30-minute gathering. We'd love to meet you, and uh, you can hear a little bit more about the heart of this church and soul of this church. God bless you all. Have a great week.
this room with praise. Let's exalt him. We of our prayer. 